Hey everyone, it's Steve Glenn from Experience Milwaukee. This episode is in partnership with Startup Milwaukee and is hosted by Matt Cordio. Matt interviews MOPTI CEO Ed Barthel in another informative episode on how, where, when, and why to start a company and why Milwaukee is a great place for that. As always, thanks to our terrific sponsors, Advocate Aurora Health, Northwestern Mutual, and Transfer Pizzeria Cafe. And now, Black Belt Theater. Welcome to uh, the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I <clears> want to start out with just kind of where you are now. Um, Amopti. Um, you're an entrepreneur. What's your elevator pitch for Amopti? <laughs> uh, that's always a good question because it kind of depends who you're talking to. Um, and, and the theme that you'll hear from me again and again is know who you're talking to before you make your pitch. But... Uh, in general, we are in the health tech business, and we partner with existing clinicians of acute care facilities to help them with patient flow and helping process patients better and faster and uh, more efficiently and deliver better outcomes for those patients um, during the course of their stay in any given acute care facility. Uh, my background is emergency medicine, so our focus in particular is emergency medicine. And so Amopti is, is a really, I think, unique startup in the fact that um, you started with a customer, um, you know, in a lot of ways with Advocate Aurora Healthcare. Um, can you talk about your relationship with that company and how it's helped kind of accelerate the growth of the company? Um, sure. And, I, and maybe I'll talk about it just in general in terms of how I think about entrepreneurship and, and how to be successful as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is to start start with the problem first and understand the problem real well before you start going and trying to pitch a solution. Um, in this case, we uh, had an early relationship with uh, Aurora, or now Advocate Aurora Health, uh, and they had just started their innovation program. Um, so they were looking for some interesting ideas to explore to help improve the performance of their organization. <clears throat> At the same time, I had some specific ideas of ways we could potentially help Aurora with some of their patient flow issues, decreasing patient wait times, et cetera. Um, and so some of it was just good timing and, and being networked with the right people. But uh, we sat down and talked quite a while with uh, both clinicians and administrators from Aurora in advance of really starting to even develop our solution. So they were involved from the very early days. And. Um so Amopti, though, is not your first startup. And actually, you're a physician by mm-hmm. background. So, you know, let's start, you know, and I want to go way back. You know, why did you decide to pursue kind of the uh, career path of being an emergency medicine physician? Sure. Um, emergency medicine in general makes you think a lot. Um, I like the fact that it challenges you to think hard about and, and solve problems. Um, you get a lot of undifferentiated uh, symptoms from patients when they come into the ER, uh, and you have to kind of put the puzzle together to figure things out. Um, so just intellectually, I think it was, it was interesting and um, 
engaging for it sounds me. Sounds very entrepreneurial in a lot of ways. Well, in some ways, <laughs> um, you know, entrepreneurs are traditionally kind of risk takers. There's, you know, it's, it could, you could call it risky business working in the ER, I suppose. Um, and it just made you think a lot, and I appreciated that. Um, the challenge of the uh, being able to get a bunch of undifferentiated complaints, think through it, and then try to solve that problem. <clears throat> there's, you know, there's probably a misconception that every case coming into the ER is a, a crazy, wild, serious case. There's a lot of very routine things that come into the ER. Um, there's good days and bad days. Uh, there's stresses on families uh, that happen with emergency physicians. So there's, it's not all gravy. Um, but in general, I think the thing that drew me was just the intellectual challenge of the undifferentiated um, situations. And so how in your career did you transition from being a physician to being a, I think you kind of evolved from being a physician to a technologist and in, in a way, correct, or entrepreneur mm -hmm. kind of within the health system you were in? Um, when you're doing almost anything, if you try to take a step back and look at the process that you're doing or the, uh, the business that you're in, um, you, most people that are in any business for a while start to think, well, maybe there's some ways we could do this better. Um, and I, like, like a lot of people, that's what I was doing in the emergency department. Uh, emergency departments are known as being kind of not only just high stress environments for, for patients, but uh, traditionally they tend to be associated with very long waits and wait times, which is very frustrating for patients. Um, and then the patients get big bills. So, you know, you could argue that it's kind of a service with not so good or kind of crappy service, but then very high expense. And really that's a service in my mind that needs to be disrupted. Um, so I started thinking about ways we could do things better uh, in that specialty. Um, and, and that led initially to taking my physician group to uh, creating a company just to help solve one of the problems, which was getting ambulances routed to the correct facilities where there was capacity. And that became And that became software. EM system <laughs> software. This was in the early 2000s, um, which helped uh, link together all the facilities in the region, uh, sharing a common secure website with the ambulance dispatch centers so that ambulances knew at any given time which hospital was the best one to take that patient to. Um, we started that as a project within my physician group. Um, as that caught on, not only here in Milwaukee, but all of a sudden other cities were asking about it, we started installing it in other cities. We eventually realized, hey, this is a real business now, and it can't just run as a division of a physician practice. <clears throat> so we spun that off, and that's when I met the, the folks from Golden Angels here in town. Mm -hmm. uh, they helped finance that spinoff into an independent company. Uh, EM System did real well, and we eventually um, sold that to a private equity firm. And that's um, a, viewed as a very successful exit here in yeah, Milwaukee's and, and it, tech. And it's, it still exists system, today. It grew further and eventually sold to a company called Intermedics, and, and the division that of Intermedics that's the old EM system still runs here in town. And so um, you had that success, and then you ended up working with larger companies kind of in the healthcare area. Yeah, I, I mean, that maybe <laughs> through luck of timing or whatever other good fortune, I, I had a good experience with that. Always was interested in technology and trying to improve this 
health crazy healthcare system that we all have to deal with. Um, I knew that I needed a little more formal training, so I did the medical informatics masters at uh, MSOE, which is a joint program with MSOE and uh, Medical College of Wisconsin to get some more formal education in informatics, um, and then went full time into uh, health information systems, uh, getting a job at Microsoft Health Solutions Group. Uh, my wife had no interest in moving to Seattle, so we kept our house here and. Uh, I commuted basically to Seattle over a seven-year period, both with Microsoft um, and then a spin-off of Microsoft where a group of us joined with a group from GE Healthcare uh, to form another venture called Caradigm. So over that seven years, learned an awful lot about how the bigger companies work in the health, health IT world. Um, but I really wanted to get back to my specialty of emergency medicine and kind of the small company world. Uh, during that time, I had been very active with Golden Angels as a member and investor and, and lead of our healthcare committee. So I kept seeing all these business plans come across the desk at Golden Angels, and I said, I gotta do one of these again. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started Amopti about three and a half years ago uh, again. How did, how did you discover Amopti? Was it, it was kind of something that you personally experienced or um, Aurora um, and you kind of collaborated? Yeah, I had some specific ideas, but it mm -hmm. was basically an idea and a slide deck that we pre originally presented to Aurora and, and to Golden Angels. And, you know, because of the good fortune I'd had with Golden Angels previously, they were willing to help fund the startup. And then Aurora was willing to be the, the development partner, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so I also had some connections with other folks in Washington, D.C. at a different health system, and we had them. So we kind of had two health systems to kind of be our development partners. Um, and we knew that there was, there's got to be ways we can cut out some of the waiting times uh, that occur in, in these urban, big urban, busy ERs. Um, and it was a combination of both analytics and figuring out where the help is needed, where the bottlenecks are in the process. Uh, and then we built, uh, we wanted just not to just do the analysis, but we wanted to have actions associated with that. So, so the actions we came up with was bringing a telehealth visit in from a remote provider uh, especially into the front end of the visit. Um, so the story some of you were just hearing, if, if the patient comes into the emergency department and says, I think I have appendicitis, uh, and it's a busy place, the nurse may take the vital signs and say, sorry, you're having pain, but you know there's a lot of people here have a seat in our waiting room for three hours. It's not a very satisfactory patient experience. But if that nurse uses our system, we have them bring in uh, a small tablet screen right there at the desk on a bracket on the wall, and the smiling face of a doctor or a PA comes on, clarifies the history for the patient, and puts in the initial orders into the electronic medical record for blood count or urine tests or x-rays, depending on the situation, gets all those tests and tre early treatments going, um, and then when the test results are back, the patients are seen by the on-site clinicians who make the final diagnosis. So it compresses the whole time course of that visit in the ER, get, makes you get to your diagnosis much faster, um, makes all that upfront waiting time that's such a big dissatisfier go away. And so you've been involved in multiple startups. How do you go about building a strong team? Kind of as, you know, you may have the idea. Yep. Um, you know, how do you find those people that complement and help build the idea and take it into, because the idea is oftentimes the easy part it's how do you right. execute on it right and how have you gone about that um 
personal networks are obviously very valuable, but um, asking your advisors for connections is also very valuable. Um, building the team is kind of recognized by many entrepreneurs as the number one challenge. It's not just building the product, it's not just raising capital, it can be building the right team is, is the biggest challenge. Um, there are sometimes difficulties in recruiting people to come to a startup if they don't have the right kind of attitude or mentality up front. So you need someone that has a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit up front. Um, you know, you can lure them with culture uh, and some of the interesting aspects of being a startup, which uh, tends to be small groups, tends to have more of a family atmosphere. You don't feel like you're part of a big machine. Um, you can lure them with flexibility. Uh, a lot of times the smaller companies are more willing to be more flexible with work arrangements. I mean, the example for our company is we don't have a formal vacation policy. People take off when they need to take off. They schedule it with their manager when they need to, and uh, you know that's fine, as much or as little as they want. Um, and then I think the third thing would probably be ownership. That's, that's something that we can do in a small company world is, is let folks have a chunk of ownership early on when they come on to join. Um, so those are three things that you can, kind of three levers you can pull to recruit good people. And so in your career, You've, um, you've obviously been successful in building teams, um, but you've also worked in different environments. You've obviously worked in a physician, practice, um, Microsoft, EM Systems, now a Mopti. Um, you know, what environment do you prefer and why? <laughs> um, I, I definitely prefer the smaller company feel. Um, being uh, in just a cog in the wheel of the big machine. I mean, part of that's just, my, I guess it's part of my interest in having more control over my environment. Um, when you're just one person, even though I had a nice job and a nice position at Microsoft, uh, I was amazed how many people were coming and going all the time and how we had, quote, reorgs that were being, uh, you know, brought down from up above us somehow, and all of a sudden four people that I thought were really good were all gone. Um, one of the downsizing, or over the downsizing after we joined with GE Healthcare, which was also interesting because they were even more kind of business, put the screws to the business kind of a, an approach. Mm -hmm. um, we went from 15 doctors, which was really an, a nice group of colleagues, down to two doctors in about a two-year period. Um, that's tough, and that happens in biz, you know, big big businesses sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, if you get just in the wrong division or the wrong product line, all of a sudden your product line gets cut and you're done. So the visibility of seeing things coming at you, the ability to wear lots of hats, and uh, which makes life more interesting in my mind, those are all things, and the, the family culture kind of thing that you get with a smaller group are all what appeals to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think what's interesting is the two ventures that you've started um, really have come out of needs that you've identified, um, and they're very practical business needs um, of physician practices, um, whether they're kind of more niche or, or larger, you know, 10th largest health system in the country, I think is that what Advocate Aurora is at now. Um, you know, how critical do you think it is in terms of listening to the needs of kind of early customers in terms of developing your product? 
Yeah, there's there's actually there's kind of two levels to that when we're when we're assessing customers, and I think for whatever business you're considering, if you're considering doing a healthcare business or pursuing a healthcare business, where you're going to be dealing with health systems, um, one is learning enough about the customers so that you can kind of profile them in some degree. I mean, health systems follow a bell curve just like individuals, you know, personalities follow a bell curve. There are some health systems that are more prone to, to do entrepreneurial type things and take some risks and, and push the envelope a little bit. And there's some health systems that are very, very conservative. The industry as a whole is conservative, but there's still a bell curve within that overall conservatism. Um, so if you're going to try to get a health system to work with a small company, with a startup kind of kind of company with a new idea, a new approach, a new care model, you have to have the right one to start with before you even go in and talk to them. Um, and then once you get in to talk to executives or whoever you're talking to, their, your customer, your target, um, it's really good to know on an individual basis what is important for that individual in their role. Almost every individual has got a set of priorities for that year that were probably handed to them by their boss of what they're supposed to achieve for that year. So you got to make sure that what you're trying to pitch is aligned with their priorities. Because um, if you don't get on their first three priorities, they're going to probably just put you on the back burner for the time being. And so let's say I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast in our audience right now that are in corporate careers thinking, maybe I have this problem in my day-to-day life that could be solved um, if I went out and started my own company. Um, what advice would you give them you know, if they are, are trying to go through that process of, of leaving their day job and you know, <laughs> jumping into the entrepreneurial world, the unemployed life, um, <laughs> but employed life? Um, um, the first thing that came to mind is make sure your wife is on board with it. <laughs> um, I was, you know, again, I've, I've been fortunate or lucky, whatever you want to say, and, and in that some of the decisions I made early on were very successful, and so it made put me in a position where I could make the moves that I made without having the same kind of risk profile as maybe some others do. Um, but I think, I mean, it's, it's like so many important decisions in life. You, you do your own internal SWOT analysis, right? Um, all right, what are the opportunities here? What are the threats? Um, is this current corporate job I'm in a job where I'm going to advance rapidly and do really well and, and be very successful? Or is it something where it's going to just stagnate and, and going to drive me nuts? Um, you have to kind of have that foresight and try to play through different scenarios. Um, it's certain profiles of certain people that are, gonna, are more likely to be successful. You know, if I'm thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, is my personality profile something that's going to do well in that setting, or is it going to just drive me crazy when there's all the stress of all, all the uncertainty that's associated with a startup? Um, you know, I guess my my personality is one that's relatively calm and doesn't get too wound up about things. Yeah, some being of, an some emergency of the, medicine doc probably which, helps, which, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, compared to some of the stuff I had to deal with in the ER, it's startup isn't all that hard but um, in terms of the stress that it puts on you but um, 
you know, I, then again, I think about, you know, there's a lot of very successful entrepreneurs that are really wound up type A people that manage to make themselves successful. Um, I think you have to be able to do a self-assessment of what my, your own strengths and weaknesses are, and then back to who you recruit on your team, you have to be able to complement your strengths with the strengths of other people that can take care of, cover you for your weaknesses. And you have to be very honest about that. And so you're an emergency medicine doctor. Um, what's the craziest thing you saw in the ER? <laughs> common. I like how I delivered that question with no. Com- common question. Um, <laughs> it, 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 there's comical things. We're on and a then podcast, by the way. So. Yeah, and then there's there's sad things and tragic things. So yes, um, I, I I think it's probably best that I don't even go into that at this point because it's not going to help us with this discussion. We'll, Had to we'll, try. Had once to try. once we're off the air, maybe I'll try. We to can tell edit you. this out. I, so. I can I can give you some interesting <laughs> anecdotes. Um, so in terms of you know you've been successful with two ventures raising. Uh, capital to go out and scale your company um, here in Milwaukee. Um, some entrepreneurs struggle with that. What do you think the keys to success that you have um, um, to share with our audience? Well, it's, it's not easy no matter what city you're in. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Milwaukee, maybe historically 10, 15 years ago, didn't have a whole lot of options. I think the landscape's changed a lot over the last 15 years. Uh, so raising money, uh, there's some very good structured ways to go about that. Um, I think you're affiliated with some of the accelerator programs here in town, and um, I think that's a great way to learn, um, to get things started, learn what's important to have in a pitch. Um, you know, the, it helped me being on the Golden Angels Healthcare Committee reviewing other people's business plans and just listening to a whole range of interesting people analyze those business plans and how they looked at them sorted through them was very useful to me and just teaching me how I should then present my business plan to someone um, in terms of just the breadth or of, of folks that you can go talk to here in town uh, you know resources like you are very valuable because you're pretty well tied into the the different options that are uh, here local um, the uh, Wisconsin Technology Council is another one that I've, I've called upon to try to just get referrals um, going to some of the uh, the tech conferences is a good way to start meeting people and getting networked um, there's a I think it was a BRAF group or one of the one of the newsletters I saw that said uh, one thing about being an entrepreneur is, is it's the ABC and it's always be capitalizing um, so That's even if true. you've gotten a funding <laughs> round you're always thinking about how the next one's gonna have to line up um, and Keeping the communications going is really important. Uh, I know one of the things I've always made a point to do is send out periodic newsletters to my investors, uh, just saying, hey, here's a progress report on the, if it's every three or four months, so that it's not just only, they don't just hear from me when I'm looking for more money. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hearing that I'm hitting milestones and making progress. Uh, and then they tell friends or they make other introductions to other potential sources. And then you start reeling in other potential sources outside of Milwaukee as well. That's great advice. Um, what other kind of key advice would you have for an entrepreneur here in Milwaukee or beyond? Um, the nice, and there's a number of things that I think Milwaukee that are really strong about Milwaukee 
Um, and I think it's, it's got me bullish on why I think entrepreneurship is going to continue to grow here. Um, one is the, the people, um, uh, both the, the work ethic as well mm-hmm. as the educational systems that are mm-hmm. formal educational yeah, we're systems. we're exporting that are, a lot of talent to Silicon Valley. <laughs> well, yeah, unfortunately that's the case. But, you know, Silicon Valley is getting to have its own problems that are getting worse and worse, and yep. they're getting net people moving out. we're bringing them back now, now too, which is great. That's right. Uh, my own sister, who's lived in Silicon Valley for the last 20 years, is now moving back to the Midwest. So uh, it can't. It is starting to happen. I mean, that's and awesome. and it's that the housing prices and some of the other um, social situations and tax situations in California are starting to drive people to alternative cities. Steve Case is the old AOL guy. The is, rise uh, of the rest. Yeah. Has his whole yes. rise of the rest campaign, yeah. uh, and I and I tend to agree with him on that. By the way, has anybody here ever had an email that said, you've got mail? Yes, that's, actually. That's, that's, I'll admit. I'm just wondering yeah. who the old folks are here in the room. I just turned 30, so okay. I don't, know. I don't concern right. myself. That, that was Steve Case's company. I feel like there are a lot of older people here that should also have their hands Thank so, God I don't get one of those uh, messages every time I get an email now. I kind of oh. miss it. <laughs> and the dial tone. Um, but he he's also he's got the book not only, not only does it talk about the rise of the rest but he's got the book called I think it's the the third wave yeah which is and, a great, uh, great read on he's the three P's there I think are really important especially for health tech companies uh, because it's such a conservative industry and the three P's that he talks about to be a successful new company if you're solving a hard problem like in healthcare are uh, policy, so healthcare is full of all sorts of policy and regulations. You gotta understand the policies that are relevant for your space. Partnership, uh, because a lot of the companies now in healthcare, if you're gonna be successful, you have to be uh, effective in partnering with other companies. Um, and the third one is perseverance, which is the hardest one. As a, as a CEO of a small company, I wanna move faster. It's always and, the most frustrating. Like I've, I've read the third wave, and I'm I'm glad you remember all three P's because I don't. Um, but I agree. Like I feel like that is a real gospel of why I think the Midwest and the Great Lakes region has kind of the ability to ride the ride this next wave. Thanks for joining me. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Thanks to Experience Milwaukee for putting this all together, Steve and Transfer, and um, Ed, I'm sure we'll hang around for a little bit if you have questions. Um, Thanks for coming, everyone.